Good evening. <clears throat> Good to be back with you tonight. <clears throat> Appreciate the opportunity to be, uh, study the Word with you. We're going to be in John chapter number 6 again, picking up there. Um, this will be part 2. Um, had a break last week, and we'll pick back up. I think I broke it, verse number 22. That's where I'm going to pick back up anyway. But we'll go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll dive into the dive into the text our father lord we thank you god for this day thank you for this privilege honor and opportunity uh, to study thy word we pray god that you bless us watch over us and keep us we pray god that we would rightly divide thy word god that we'd be good stewards of it father we'd not interject got um, our own opinion but father lord we would let the scripture speak and let the truth stand we pray father lord that you would uh, touch those god that are uh in the nursing homes, and the hospitals, the sick, the afflicted. We know that there are many. We know that they're vast. We know that the needs are great. We pray, Father, Lord, that you'd supply uh, every need according to thy earnest riches and glory, which we know are endless and boundless. Pray most of all, Father, for those, God, that's nearest hell and never received Jesus precious to their never-dying soul. I pray that uh, this day and this hour would be the good day and hour, Father, when they would find thee precious. Uh, to their never-dying soul. They're going to live in eternity somewhere, and I hope that their decision is for Christ. Help us now, we pray, God, as we study thy word. Bless the uh, the ears that would hear, the hearts, God. I pray that uh, I would yield to this. I pray, God, that you'd give them uh, hearts of flesh that they might be receptive to thy word. Watch over us. We'll thank you and praise you for what you do. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. All right. We'll get into this in John chapter number two. Like I said, we broke this up. and This is uh, most definitely going to be a three-parter. I'm going to try and plow my way through <coughs> as much of the scripture tonight as we can. Part two and part three probably tie together uh, a significant amount, and then I may surprise myself and I will get through this uh, in a timely fashion tonight. But uh, John 6, starting in verse number 22, the Bible says, The day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save, <clears throat> uh, save that one whereunto his disciples were entered, uh, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but his disciples were gone alone, uh, gone away alone. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they uh, also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence camest, uh, whence, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, ye seek me not because ye saw, my mir saw the miracles, but because ye did eat loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, uh, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto them, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him and in whom he hath sent. I'm going to read uh, some more in just a few minutes, but I'm just going to interject right here and re-spool your minds about where we left off. In the first portions of, of chapter number six, we picked up and we talked about, uh, and if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's got a lot of historical context that fills out the context of the remainder of the, te of the, of the scripture that we're going to read. But uh, in, in the first portion of John six, we have the feeding of 5,000, uh, where he blesses the, the, the fish and the, and the bread. 
multiplies it feeds 5,000 men that are listed in the scripture uh, minus women children uh, a lot of theologians say somewhere in the range of 10 to 20,000 people a lot of folks uh, and they had leftovers okay and we see the significance there uh, and tying into the Jewish feast because we know this was time this was set at the time of the Passover and then just preceding where we uh, read here tonight uh, or tonight we uh, the last portion of the first part uh, is where Jesus walks on the on the sea and then we see that that uh, is also harmonized in, in the Gospel of uh, Matthew and Mark. We know that Peter made the declaration, uh, uh, what manner of man is this that uh, even the winds and the seas, they obey his voice. Uh, and then Jesus makes the declaration, uh, it is I be not afraid or ego am I, uh, which is the Greek for I am, which is the same thing that Moses uh, when he questioned God, he said, who should I say sent me? And God answered and he said, I say I am, has sent me. Uh, and this is a messianic claim by Jesus. And this is another deity claim that he is. Uh, and now we get into this right here. Now we see uh, where uh, the scoffers, and I, I believe that we have a lot of these people that fit this category today, especially in the church. Uh, we have a lot of people that they just want to come see what's going on, and I'm not opposed to people coming and seeing what's going on in the house. I, I love when uh, <clears throat> uh, 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 revivals begin to spread. I love when um, uh, the singing and, and the, the services attract people to the house of God. They may be coming under false pre uh, pretense, and they may be coming uh, for some other reason. But I'm glad that they're coming to the house of God because if they can come to the house of God, it is our obligation as God's people to make sure that they are fed the bread of life, which is the gospel, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and let them deal with it uh, as, uh, as, as uh, God sees fit and as they see fit. And friends, listen, uh, this is something that has to be dealt with today, but we know that we have a vast opposition against us. Uh, listen, uh, uh, today in the church, and, and it goes and it far exceeds and goes beyond uh, the detractors of the church. Uh, I, I want to say this. We know that we have that, that there are multitudes and multitudes that are embedded within the church. I believe that, the, that a vast majority of, of people who are affiliated with the church, they may even be church members. I believe that they're lost. I really do. I believe that they've never been saved. I believe that they've never uh, made a profession of faith. I believe that their allegiance in the Lord Jesus Christ has waned. I, I believe that... Uh, uh, friends, listen, I believe that there is, uh, uh, is an aspect uh, that is missing out of their lives. Uh, and friends, I, I'm telling you something today. If we continue to seek after Jesus, there are, there are points and positions and there are, uh, there are ultimatums that are laid down before us wherein we have to make a decision and whether we are going to follow Christ or whether we're going to consume them upon our own lust, we're going to reject the truth and unrighteousness. And we talk about this on, on multiple occasions. And this factors into this tonight, uh, where we get into this point where people uh, become hardened in their, in their own state. And friends, listen to me, God, God, Christ, the Trinity them, themselves, they have never, ever uh, been culpable or have they ever sent anyone, not one person uh, is in hell today because God sent them. This was a self-prescribed uh, uh, identification, and this is a self-prescribed eternity that they have affixed to themselves, okay? Because they've rejected the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we see all the negativity that is constantly flooding and surrounding us today. Uh, as the church, we see that, uh, listen, there's a lot of adversity today. There, the, uh, there's unparalleled um, uh, circumstances that are being presented before us today. And we understand that uh, we, we don't necessarily know how to navigate everything. Uh, and understandably so, because uh, we've never encountered these things in our lifetime. Now, I'm not saying that nobody in, the t- in any time point in history have not encountered these because they have, uh, but I personally have not uh, in my own life. But I believe that there are aspects and attributes where we must seek after Christ holistically, faithfully. It's not just a moment of faith, but it is a life of faithfulness. It is abiding in the vine. It is pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. It is knocking, it is seeking, and it is asking. These are all verbs that indicate action, and this is what James is talking about. Uh, When the Bible tells us, he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. I believe that there are fruitful works which a Christian, which a born-again Christian. Now listen, I understand that people, uh, that we falter, that we fail, and we find ourselves in a state of remission or backsliding, and we understand that we we, we can get to this point. We can be we can uh, be our minds, and we can be drawn away and by the temptations and the lusts of the flesh. We know that they're prevalent. We know that they're ever before us. And but listen, this is what we've been preaching and teaching on about the whole council. It's not by perfection. It's not by performance. But it's holy and solistically in the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that is the only way that we can attain anything good uh, is because it comes down from the Father of lights. But we must, friends, we must obey, we must follow, we must crucify this flesh. And friends, listen, I'm glad that I don't have hope in myself, okay? First uh, Peter chapter 1, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Amen? Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Uh, Friends, listen, I'm glad that the text tells us today, uh, listen, our faithful allegiance uh, is in the power of an everlasting of the created, uh, listen, the uncreated creator. And he stands uh, as our omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, omnibenevolent, trinitarian God that stands before us today. And we cast all of our faith upon him. And because we cast our faith upon him and in him we are justified and sanctified and one day glorified in him and because we have that wonderful hope and that wonderful peace uh, we can take solidarity in the fact that listen we are our salvation is sure it is full it is eternal because we are in Jesus Christ amen my salvation is not in myself it is in Christ and this is where we need to get to today. There's so many people, I've been saying this uh, for weeks now, there's so many people, uh, listen, they have frailty of faith and they're shaking and they're moved. Uh, listen, because there has been uh, this overdrive uh, from the church and from the pulpits wherein righteousness is required uh, by works of right. The Bible tells us in Titus 3 and 5, not by our works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and renewing and regenerating of the Holy Ghost. 
friends, listen, this is something, listen, that we don't do ourselves. It's not by our works of righteousness. It's not by perfection, performance. And listen, I know that I say that this often, but I say this often in hopes that you'll remember it. Amen. I want you to remember these things so you can find satisfaction, so you can find surety, so you can find hope, so you can find peace, and so you can live in a state of joy because our our salvation is eternal, because it is full, because, uh, listen, we have a hope that is in Christ, in Jesus Christ. And the community of salvation, the born-again body of believers are in Jesus because the head is sanctified, the body is sanctified. Now listen, getting back to this, I know that I kind of rabbit trailed there for just a few minutes, but I, I want you to understand that, that there is a great discord sowed among us today in the church. There's people that are distraught. There's people that are there for the wrong reasons, but listen to me. Nevertheless, I'm glad that they're there because they're being fed the gospel. That's why it is important and imperative that we as God's people and God's men, God's ministers, it is imperative that we preach the word of God with, well, listen, without fear and favor to me. Uh, listen, it's not time to bend, uh, uh, bow the head and bend the knee. It's not time, uh, listen, uh, to do these things. Now is time uh, to listen, to, to fortify ourselves and stand upon the rock of ages, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. But now, well, listen, with the Bible tells us we have this great influx of people. They came, they heard of the miracles. They heard of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And they came running, they came flocking to Jesus. Okay, and Jesus, uh, listen, no doubt he has every, listen, he knows exactly why they're coming. He knows why they're there. He knows their minds. He knows their hearts. In verse 26, the Bible says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat the, lo the loaves and were filled. Okay, so Jesus is blatantly and explicitly telling them, listen, you're not coming after me. You're not coming because I have made the declaration that I am the Messiah, the Messianic Son of God that came in the line of, from the line of the tribe of Judah. The Davidic king is here. You didn't come to recognize me as the... Uh, Listen, as the I am that I have declared unto you, but you only came because your belly got filled. And friends, they listen. I believe that there is a uh, there's a vast majority of people, and I, I've already said this previous, but I want to echo it and say it again. There's a vast majority of people. They're coming for the stuff, but they're not coming for Jesus. Verse 27, Jesus said, Labor not for the meat which perishes, but, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Okay, so listen, Jesus tells him, Labor, don't strive for this earthly. He said, The things which are uh, uh, things which are carnal are temple, but the things which uh, are unseen, the things which are seen uh, are, are temporal, but the things which are unseen, they're eternal carnal and eternal so friends listen jesus is telling me he said don't labor and strive and work after the meat or the bread that uh, that perisheth that that dies and that will go away listen don't strive after these things seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these other things should be added unto you uh, friends listen christ needs to be the paramount first uh, mark in every individual born again believer's life jesus needs to be one he needs to be front he needs to be center he needs to be leading he needs to be patient 
But Francis and Jesus tells them and said, listen, I know that you come with ulterior motives. I know that you're here for the wrong reasons. I know that you're here because you just want to be, you have your belly full. But he said, don't strive. Don't work after the things of this world that will ultimately send you to hell. Jesus said, strive for the bread which comes from heaven. Verse 28, the Bible says, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Okay, now listen. They came. Now listen. They have in their forefront of their mind work right here. You see this? Uh, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is what they want to do. They want to serve their way into the kingdom because, listen, they come from a place of servitude. Uh, they have in their minds that through temple service, temple sacrifice, ordinances, and all these things, they have, uh, listen, they've already skewed the interpretive doctrine that we have. And Paul sets things right in Romans chapter number four when he talks about Abraham. He said, Abraham believed and therefore it was accounted unto him for righteousness. The belief that Abraham had in Yahweh God is what is what separated and what sealed him was his faith in God that he believed this was the work okay I made the statement a few weeks ago uh, the gospel of John never deals with the word faith he always deals with the word believe belief friends listen so the Bible says listen uh, they came to Jesus they said we want to work tell us what to do that we can get this stuff Okay, and see, this is the mindset that has permeated the church today. We feel like that we have to work more. Uh, listen, I, and I, I keep saying this, and I want people to hear this. Uh, Romans chapter number five, verse number eight. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, okay? He loved you when you were a sinner. So friends, listen to me. What makes you think that God is going to like or love or, 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 or be better to you in your state of righteousness, which the scripture already declares to us that our righteousness is as filthy rags, okay? Uh, it, it's not by good deeds or good works. We're not going to accumulate. We're not going to build. Uh, friends, now listen, we're laying up treasures in heaven, okay? We're not laying up, listen, there is a significant difference in a, in a born-again Christian that you can take one of two views. Uh, listen, if we're laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt, this is what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter number six. If we're doing these things and we're doing these things have faithful obedience is because we're abiding, because we want to see people saved. We're trying to grow the vine. We're trying to trim and prune the vine. And listen, we're trying to see the fruit of all this goodness, friends. Listen, we're working for the kingdom. It's not for ourselves. We're not working for self-acclaimed righteousness. But friends, listen, when Paul deals with the term works, of righteousness or works of Torah and works of the law. This is the same thing that these Jews that, that are identified, that, that John the Revelator identifies right here. He calls them the Jews. Listen, he's saying, listen, you have, you have constructed your theology on the wrong foot, okay? You're trying to work your way into heaven and you cannot, okay? There is non-righteous no, not one. That's what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 3, verse number 10. Okay? There's none righteous. These righteous deeds and works, 
will yield and profit us nothing. Yea, rather, they will lose our soul. Friends, listen, we don't, I don't constitute my salvation in myself. I am not grounded in myself and my righteousness or my good deeds. Christ loved me when I was a sinner and I have cast my allegiance to the King. King Jesus is where all my faith and my belief is grounded. It is grounded in Christ. So they came to Jesus and said, tell us what we can do that we may work the works of God. Jesus makes a profound statement in verse number 29. He says, Jesus answered and said unto them, catch this now, this is the work of God, okay? This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent, okay? Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? So, friends, listen to me. What, what Jesus is making, the declaration, he said there's only one work of God, and that work of God to attain righteousness is not self-acclaimed and ascribed righteousness, Wherein, wherein we do good deeds to uh, lay up uh, our own salvation. He said, the work of God is that you believe in me. And in context of this, he's talking about Jesus Christ himself. This is the work of God. Believe, okay? This is what he's trying to tell him. Believe in God. That, that, that solidifies it. That answers the mail, friends. Listen, and if we'll just yield and surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ, we can have fullness and we can, we can have joy uh, and peace unspeakable. But friends, listen, there's so many people, they want to live in a state uh, of denial. They feel like that they, listen, they say that they don't believe in perfection and performance, but their Christianity shows that they're trying to work their way into heaven. And friends, listen to me, that's not Christianity. That, that, that's that's that that right there is 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 living under legalism. Okay, that's by definition what legalism is is uh, is following ordinances and, and commands and all these things. But the Bible says, separate yourself from those things. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy soul. Okay. They said therefore unto him. What signs sh uh, showest thou then that we may see and believe? What, uh, what dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the, in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from, uh, from heaven. Go read Exodus chapter number 16. You'll find there when they were wandering in the years of the wilderness, God fed them manna uh, uh, every day. Uh, and when, uh, when God was uh, feeding uh, them manna, they never went without. Uh, not one time, ever. Uh, God satisfied them in everything that they were doing, okay? Uh, they lived 40 years in the wilderness. Their shoes never wore out. They never ran out of manna. They never ran out of bread. God sustained and God provided, okay? Uh, now, listen, this is carnal bread. The Bible says, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. It is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat, okay? Amen. Uh, then uh, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. So he says, Truly, truly, amen, amen. Listen. Okay, 
Uh, in other words, he says, listen to me. I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father give it, giveth uh, you the true bread from heaven. Okay? So Jesus recenters them right here. They're still looking for bread. They're still looking for the, uh, for the, bread, or the bread that Jesus blessed the day before. Okay? Uh, when he fed the multitudes, this is where their mind is centered. They, they can't detach their intellectual thinking away from what they think it requires. Okay, And I believe that there's a lot of people in the church today, intellectually, they have this construct of the, of the way that they think that it should be, and it's not biblically based, it's not derived from, te from the text, it's, it's a formulation of things that they've been taught and told, but they've never read for themselves. And I challenge, listen, I'm challenging the church today, I, listen, we need to study the Word of God, okay? When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Uh, listen, hence, listen, we need to key in on those phrases right there that we rightly divide the Word of truth. Friends, listen to me. I thank God for my mentors. I thank God for the men of God that have come before me that invested and poured into me. Thank God for the Spud Englishes and the Jack Pierces, the Clyde Coleman's, uh, the Annie Ruth Stowers, all those that uh, poured selflessly into me. I thank God for them. They were precious men and women of God that were profound biblical teachers. Uh, listen, they they helped me. Listen, the Billy Poos of the world, uh, they helped me and selfishly, uh, listen, bestowed their wisdom and their knowledge upon me. And I'll forever, uh, and listen, I'll forever be grateful and indebted to them. But I don't want to take what they've said and not take and, and, and measure what they've said against the text, okay? Listen, and I believe, friends, listen, that's something today that, uh, listen, we can offer advice, but I'm, I'm here to tell you today, take it to the Word of God. Doesn't matter what I say, listen, take it to the Word of God and compare it with the Word of God. Measure what Chris Gilbert says against the Word of God. Not what I say. Don't believe it because I say it. Believe it because that's what the Word of God says. So Jesus said, Very, very last thing, Moses uh, uh, gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So this is what he's talking about. Listen, he said, uh, now listen, in verse 33, it says, The bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. So Jesus has made the declaration right here, I am the bread of life, okay? The I am statements over here. That's why he blessed it and broke it in the first portion of chapter 6. That's why he walked on the water. He's showing that he is greater than Moses. When we get the Hebrews language, he's greater than the angels. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the promises. He's greater than the covenants. Amen. I, listen, he is the great I am. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then uh, said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us of this bread. So they said, Lord, give us this bread. We, we want this. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Okay? So Jesus lays this blatantly and plainly before them. He should believe on me. Okay? I am the bread of life. Okay? He that comes, he that comes to me, so he that seeks, uh, searches and seeks out Christ, 
Okay, he that comes to me, and then we're going. This is where we get into uh, in the forties down here, and things start tying together. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall uh, never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. Okay? So Jesus tells him right here, he said, I am the bread of life. And all you got to do is believe upon me and believe upon, listen, he said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of my Father. Okay? And now listen, he said, all that the Father giveth me shall come un, uh, shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Okay, now listen. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Okay? So he that responds, the Bible says, shall never hunger. Why will we never hunger? Because we have believed in the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? So if we come, we will have everlasting, eternal life in him. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Okay? Thank God for security in Christ. Amen? I'm not secure in myself. I never have been. But I am secure in Christ. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Okay? Uh, he said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill these things. And listen, he didn't come to tear them down. He didn't come to do away with them. He said, listen, I didn't come to surrender myself and fulfill, uh, listen, uh, my own self, but he came to do the will of the Father, okay? And in surrendering himself unto the Father, the Bible tells us right here, listen, that we are to be, boy, John is, paints the most beautiful gospel picture of who Jesus is what he came to do. He came to give life and light to every man. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am the door. I am the shepherd of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Friends, listen to me. He is all things. He is our path and course correction. He is our direction. Listen, he is the light into my path and the lamp before us. He is all in all. For I came down from heaven, not to do uh, mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all of us which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Okay? Now listen to this. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. Okay, so this uh, this starts to have, this is where we few several weeks ago we talked about presuppositions. What's a presupposition? A presupposition uh, is a thought or a narrative that we have in our heads intellectually. That when we read a text, we read what we uh, listen. This unconscious bias falls into the text, and this presupposition is assumed that that's what the text says and it has to mean. Okay? So there's a lot of people, they'll read this and they'll say, this is the Father's will that which hath sent me, uh, that uh, of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but uh, should raise it up in the la uh, again at the last day. And there's, some people say, well, this speaks to a limited atonement because, uh, listen, he will lose none that the Father gives him, 
And because he'll lose none that the Father gives him, therefore he only died for the Father, uh, for those that 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 the Father gave the Son. And therefore there is an election, and the atonement is limited. And uh, and listen, and it rabbit holes, and it goes out into all kinds of things. And there's a lot of people believe this unconsciously. And listen, they they've never run the logical end of where these things terminate, and and, and the violence that it does to your theology, and who and it upends your vision in view of God because ultimately what that terminates in is that God is therefore listen if if, if he's died only for the elect then the non-elect number one he did not die for and therefore God is culpable and responsible for sending them to hell because they had no provision at Calvary and that's not what the text is saying that's not the God that I believe in or that I have surrendered to okay and this is the father's will uh, which have sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one, okay? Now listen, a lot of people, they read, they read verses in isolation. They don't read what's before it. They don't read what's after it. And therefore, they lose the context of it. And listen, uh, uh, we can proof text all day long. Listen, you can cherry pick certain verses. You can throw them out there and say, this proves what I believe. Friends, listen to me. This is why it's important to read the Word of God because I believe that there's so many people that have swallowed and been, and, and been uh, listen, they've been immersed in false doctrine because somebody drew them away with one verse of Scripture that was taken out of context and they haven't studied themselves. And I blame it on the pulpits. Amen. Uh, friends, listen to me. I believe that it is obligation of the pastor, friends, not only just preach on Sunday morning. It's not just to evangelize and it's not just to run revivals is to make sure that the flock are read the word of God, that they're instructed in the word of God, that they have the meat of the word of God. And with the best of our ability, I, I certainly don't have all answers. But with the best of our ability that is prescribed to us, that we should be able uh, to uh, precipitate uh, and, 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 and let the flock know what the word of God says. So this is, okay, so verse number 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, so now let, let's read this. So it's the Father's will in verse number 39. It's the Father's will uh, that which he hath uh, given those that he have given the son, he said, I should lose nothing. So in verse 40, it tells us what the will of the father is. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one, okay? So who is every one? We go to John chapter three, the every one is the whosoever's. Who are the whosoever's? The whosoever's are those, and the every ones are those that yield to the promise and the hope that Jesus is the messianic son of God, okay? Though, listen, this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. This is a parallel of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, the first, the second, the third heavens, and all things that are, in, and that are uh, in, uh, entitled therein, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, 
but have ever, everlasting life. Who are the whosoever's? Those are the everyone's. Who are the everyone's? The everyone's are the ones which respond to the gospel, to the, initi- the initiatory response that comes to each and every man, woman, boy, and girl. It comes. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. What a hope, what a promise. Verse 41, the Jews, okay? So look look how John pulls this out right here. He separates uh, the people. He says the Jews. Who's he talking about? He's talking most likely about the Pharisees. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So they think that Christ is on blasphemous ground here, obviously. They, they think that he has... Uh, uh, that he uh, listen because he's made a declaration he has made a deity statement that I am okay and he said not only am I the great I am you must believe upon me to have everlasting life and when you believe upon me unto everlasting life I shall keep you unto the end and raise you up in the last day and they think that this is blasphemy and that the Bible says that they murmured uh, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, it's not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. How is it that he saith, I am come down from heaven? So now this is where they uh, begin to prod at his deity because they say, listen, his mother and father is Mary and Joseph. And, the Bible, and, and he's making the statement that I come down from heaven and my heavenly father hath birthed me and brought me here. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, murmur not among yourselves. Okay. So listen, Jesus got down in the middle of them. Uh, I like to think about it this way. Hey, if you're going to talk about me, talk to me. Don't talk amongst yourselves. And I've always said that. Listen, uh, from pillar to post, there's people uh, all across uh, these parts of these hills over here uh, have, have went and rat holed and said what Chris believes and how Chris preaches and what he does and what he don't believe. But listen to me, very, very few times have any of them ever come down and sat down and brought the Word of God and said, let's talk about what you think, where you stand. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people today, uh, they, they, they don't want to. They have, there's no pleasure in actually having an intellectual conversation and ironing the Word of God out, harmonizing it, working together for the kingdom of Christ. The overwhelming majority of people, they don't want to do that. You see, they just want to run you in the ground. They want to crucify you. They want to throw you in the trash. And that's fine. And listen, you're going to have people like that till Jesus comes back. That ain't changing. And that don't just happen to me. It happens to you, and it has happened to you. And if it hadn't happened to you, it will happen to you. Okay? Uh, there's people that are just miserable out there. Uh, listen, and, and that's what they want to do. They want to bring they want to bring as much violence and harm to the bride as humanly possible. There's a lot of people out there that I don't necessarily agree with, but that don't mean we have to go around running them down because they have a purpose, they have a place, they have a ministry, they have an avenue. They're reaching people that I obviously am not reaching, and I want them to go to heaven. I want them to hear about Jesus and be saved. Okay, so now listen, Jesus says, murmur not amongst yourself. He says, no man can come. Okay, now there's a lot of people. I'm, I'm going to talk about verse number 44, and I'm going to stop it right here, and we're going to pick up with part three and finish it out next week, and I'm going to talk, I'm, I'm forewarn you. A lot of what we'll talk about next week would be a lot about what we ended right here. 
So listen, the Bible says no man can come. Okay, these are the two operative words. Okay, the scripture says no man can come. It does not say that they will come. It says that they can come. What does can imply? Can implies ability. Okay, so there is no ability to come unto, uh, now listen, let me finish reading this. No man can come, two operative words. No man can come to me. This is Jesus speaking. So the Bible tells us right here, these are the two operative words, no man. So all humanity, which is identified, the anthropo, no man right here, which is humanity, man, woman, boy, or girl, can come. These are the operative words. That means it can entails and implies ability. Come to me. And Jesus is saying right here, me is Christ, except the Father, okay? Except the Father which hath sent me, Christ, draw or enable uh, listen, draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, friends, listen to me. There's a lot of people, they get into this argument. They say, well, uh, listen, man cannot initiate salvation. You know what I say? Amen. Thank God that we cannot initiate salvation. We are hopeless, hell-bound sinners aside from Jesus Christ. I don't believe that we have to live in tension as, as, as God's bride today and say that we, uh, that we can't come to the Son unless we're drawn. Okay, We just need to understand what the drawing is because we are drawn. That's what the text says. I believe it. Hallelujah. Amen. We are drawn. What is this drawing? What is this enabling? We're going to move forward here to John chapter number 12. I just want to read this verse to you. John 12, 32, and I've quoted it many times. He said, Jesus says this, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Okay? You see this parallel right here? No man can come, un can come unto the Father lest the Father which sent him draw him. Okay? So what is the initiate the initiatory draw that God puts upon humanity so it enables the ability for them to come and believe on the Son is that the Son be lifted up, and when the Son is lifted up, he therefore initiates the draw, which is the gospel call that draws all men everywhere unto the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Acts, there's no, there, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Okay, now, friends, listen, I want to talk about this because this is something that's often confused and misconstrued, and there's a lot of people, listen, we have isolated this, and we're looking for some mystical event to, uh, to happen uh, as, we, uh, as we view the landscape of our, of our pews, okay? We're, we're waiting for this mystical event to happen. Uh, when we say that somebody uh, is drawn immediately at that one place, no, friends, listen to me, you need to understand that Christ has been drawing us from conception, okay? And this is what we call the fruition or the completion of conviction, okay? The, 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 initiation, the initiatory process comes to us, friends. Listen, God deals with it. That's what this world is. That's what the gospel is. That's why we have his life, his death, his resurrection, his burial, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, because it is the life message of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is enabling us the ability. And friends, thank God through preaching, through singing, and through instruction, through teaching of the word of God, when we finally reach a point in our lives, thank 
thank God through this preaching where the reality, the intellectual understanding of who Jesus Christ is, and when it passes our intellect, then it gets down in the deeper portions of our heart. It begins to violently penetrate and listen, it begins to ravage our souls and we understand where we are, that we are sick, that we are hopeless, that we are hell bound, that we are, and listen, in eternity and an abyss away from God, lest we run to the Lord Jesus Christ, fall upon him, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, surrender ourselves to Calvary and cast allegiance to King Jesus. Amen. That, my friend, is the the ending point. Listen, when I was an eight-year-old boy at Beulah Baptist Church in Hendersonville, North Carolina, been raised in church my whole life. From the time of conception, Christ was dealing. Amen. Conviction was moving and stirring through the preaching and through the singing and through my raising and uh, all these parameters and all these things culminated on one Sunday morning in October in 1987. Uh, listen, friends, listen. When the fullness of conviction transpired and I realized my state, I realized my standing and I thank God that there was a seeking Savior that was there patiently waiting on a response. Amen. And friends, listen, I'm glad. I, listen, there wasn't mystical, there wasn't something mystical about it. It was the fullness and the fruition of God's yearning, initiatory conviction that had been working and persisting in my life for years and years and years. And it came to a head that morning and I realized my hopeless state and condition and my need for a Savior in His name is Jesus. So we don't have to live in tension. Yes, we can't come to the Son lest the Father draws us. The draw of the Father was initiated at Calvary. Uh, friends, listen, there's a constant seeking and yearning. Uh, listen, that all mankind and human, the Bible tells us, uh, that, listen, it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance, and He means that. Okay? The Bible says it, and He means what He says. So, friends, listen, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in tension. Uh, but, friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If we sit here and we sit here and we sit here, just like the four leprous men, what, uh, listen, they realize their state and their condition. They said, why, why sit we here till we die? Okay? There's a lot of people that have blamed God that are sitting in church pews today. They say, well, I've never been drawn. You're lying. Okay? Uh, listen, and I'm not saying that you're lying if you're eight years old. Uh, listen, I'm not saying that uh, if you're four or you're five, but I'm going to tell you something. If you've been sitting in church for years and years and years, uh, listen, you've been sitting under the gospel preaching and singing, and you're sitting there saying, God's not drawing me. And you're going to, you think that, uh, listen, that you're, you're just putting all the blame and all the burden on God, okay? And let me tell you something. That's not textual. That's not scriptural. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, drink of the fountain of the water of life freely. Okay? Listen, he said, come, seek, ask, knock, run. Friends, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I, listen, there's so much miscommunication coming that there's people sitting there, and they are going to go to hell if they do not respond to the gospel. That's just the truth. That is the end of it, friends. Listen, you have to respond to God. You have to respond to this Bible. And now listen, I, I've talked about this at great length and in other times. Listen, there's a lot of people, uh, 
that they try and find an age, okay? There's no specific age. I believe there is a time, what we call the age of accountability. What is that age of accountability? Intellectually, friends, listen to me. Uh, when you know right from wrong, when you know right from wrong and, and you understand, and listen, there's a lot of people in this world that don't have the mental capacity uh, until they're older to understand. They're, they're regressed in their mental capacity. It's not their fault. God still loves them and God will still give them opportunity, friends. Listen, but I'm telling you something. There comes a place and a point in time when we, we, we've got to deal with this, okay? Uh, listen, we can't have uh, children that, that, that have a, a cognitive function and intellectually they understand and they grow up in church in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and preachers and deacons' kids. Friends, listen to me. And they say, well, I, I've never been saved because I've, not, I've never been dealt with and I've never been drawn. It is a lie. It's a lie. We reach the age of accountability. What is accountable age? Friends, listen to me. When you stand in the court of law, and you give an account because you can rightly judge between right and wrong. You are therefore accountable. We enforce it in our judicial system. After you're 18 years old, you are treated as an adult. If you go out here and you commit first-degree heinous premeditated murder, you will be uh, you will be executed. You will be tried, found guilty by a jury of your peers, and executed. Friends, listen to me. I'm telling you something. And, and, and you know why they are? Because they're responsible. Because they have been. They have the ability to choose otherwise, and they did not. Friends, I'm telling you today, there is a bunch of people in the church. They're blaming God for their current state and their current situation. But I'm telling you, there's no blame will ever be cast upon God. You are responsible. You can come because of the draw. What is the draw? The draw is the cross of Calvary. Now, yes, are there steps and stages to this? Yes, when we respond to the light, when we respond to creation and conscience, that's not enough to save us. That's enough to point us to a Savior. And when we respond positively to that, God provides more. God provides the gospel. God provides preaching, revivals. God provides Sunday mornings, online Bible studies. God provides these necessities to us wherein we can hear the gospel and we can believe and be saved. Now listen, we'll probably talk a lot more about this next week. Uh, but we, we thank God for this opportunity to be with you tonight. Appreciate you. We love you so very much. Uh, good Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday morning.